Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to Breath of Pragma. My name is Dr. Dennis Daniels. Thank you for joining us here at Breath of Pragma. The song you were just listening to was Fred Hammond, He Lives, a song celebrating our one and only resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here at Breath of Pragma, we encourage you to love to breathe and breathe to love. We believe the breath of life comes from the creator of all things. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it reads, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living thing. And by that verse alone, we believe that the most powerful gift given man was the breath of life. Before that, we were just really clay, just dirt, just dust. It's very interesting because we're going to talk a little bit about atheism today. And so if you're an atheist or agnostic, meaning you're not sure if there is a God or not, or, you know, if you're a believer in creationism and the Lord Jesus Christ, then stay tuned because we're going to bring up some very important points to help us clarify some factual things about why evolution is not the answer and why creationism and science are the answer. Um, also here at Breath of Pragma, we want to thank our sponsors, um, starting with Executive Pulmonary Medicine. Um, they've been providing medical services in the specialty of pulmonary and sleep medicine here in the state of Missouri and across the nation for over 20 years. Um, and if you want to know more about Executive Pulmonary Medicine, or if you think you might um, be able to use their services, you can visit their website at executivepulmonarymedicine.com or you can go to breathofpragma.com, which is our web website, Breath of Pragma, P-R-A-G-M-A, and there's a link there for Executive Pulmonary Medicine. Our other sponsor is Dr. Poppy, and Dr. Poppy uh, is also known as the Hormone Whisperer, specializing in hormone replacement therapy for men and women, along with other general health issues, and she is... Um, a leader in fertility. In fact, uh, she was the uh, winner of the 417 Magazine uh, Doctor for Fertility. Um, and you can find a link to her website on uh, Breath of Pregma, or you can contact them directly by going to drpoppy.com. And you can also reach her at her office phone number, uh, here in Ozark, and uh, that office number is 417-485-417-485-5700. Dr. Poppy specializes in functional fertility, functional obstetrics, holistic prenatal care, integrative thyroid treatment, and women's health, as well as bioidentical hormone replacement therapy uh, for men and women. Uh, if you happen to be listening outside the state of Missouri, I will tell you that Dr. Poppy sees people from as far away as Alaska. And in fact, uh, I will tell you one cool story. There was a time when she told me to come to her office because uh, someone who was there visiting with her brought their Grammy. And she wanted me to come by and get to see a Grammy in real life. And so, uh, once again, that number is 417-485-5700. So, that being said, let's get to our um, medical minute. 
and this is the part of our program where we discuss lung health. Uh, once again, we're all about the breath of life here at Breath of Pragma, and we are about using that breath of life appropriately and to do the work of the Lord who gave it to us to start with. Um, in Ezekiel chapter seven, um, 37, verse 10, it says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Well, you are that exceeding great army. If you wonder why God gave you breath, it is because you are supposed to be an army for good. And here at Breath of Pragma, we're just encouraging you to do that and giving you more tools to do that. But so for our medical moment, let's get back to our discussions about COPD. Uh, if this is your first time listening to Breath of Pragma, um, this is week 17. So we've been at this for several months. And uh, there you can hear all of our previous podcasts um, at breathofpragma.com, where we go over everything from lung anatomy to asthma to tobacco addiction. Um, we're currently uh, on, are on another series, and this is, I believe, our fourth lecture on COPD. Uh, last week, we discussed a specific type of emphysema called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. Um, and that is one way people end up with emphysema, uh, which is a genetic disorder. And if you want to know more about that, just try to catch up the next week's pro or last week's program. But COPD is an obstructive lung disease. Um, as we discussed previously, there are three ways someone's lungs can really go be dysfunctional. Uh, one is difficulty absorbing oxygen or exchanging gas. And that's known as the diffusion disorder, where the ability of the oxygen going into your lung is hampered from getting into your bloodstream. And to understand more about that, you have to go back to one of our earlier shows where we discuss the physiology of the lung. And we actually trace a molecule of oxygen from the air around us through our uh, respiratory tract into our lungs and into our blood and through our body. Uh, so it's a very interesting and a very unique way to get some understanding uh, of basic lung physiology. But the obstructive lung defects are diseases like uh, asthma, chronic bronchitis, and COPD. And um, so COPD is a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That means that the lungs have been exposed to chronic inflammation, and this inflammation has led to destruction of the lung tissue where uh, the lungs are now not able to get air out as well as they should. And so when it comes to fighting a disease like COPD, uh, you have to focus on two aspects of it at the, at the foundation. One is you have to have medicines to help open up your lungs. One such medicine we discussed previously was albuterol. Um, this is what we call a bronchodilator. Albuterol is related to molecules such as sympathomimetics like caffeine and chocolate and other stimulants, uh, adrenaline-type molecules, which uh, you know increase heart rate, increase blood flow, but they also serve to open your, your, your lung airways. And so... Um, 
another type of medicine that can be used to fight the spasming in your lungs or to help open your lungs are called anticholinergics um, or anti-muscarinics. And these are basically the, named after um, bind, uh, binding sites for parts of your nervous system in your lungs. And basically, if you stimulate one of your nervous systems, it'll cause your lungs to open up. And if you block the stimulation of another type part of your nervous system, that causes your lungs to open up as well. So there's two different ways we can get the lungs to open up. One is a sympathomimetic or stimulant like albuterol, and then the other would be something to block the cholinergic or muscarinic system like teotropium or ipotropium, um, also known as atrovent and spireva. And then finally, um, it gets very unique when we start talking about steroid therapy in COPD. And maybe we should kind of talk a little bit more about the use of inhaled steroids. Now, steroids get a bad rep, so let's clarify, clarify the first problem we run into when people are discussing steroid therapy for any disease. There are anabolic steroids, and those are the kind of steroids that bodybuilders use to build muscles. And then there are catabolic steroids, and steroids that fight inflammation, and believe it or not, your body makes its own natural steroids that fight inflammation. One such molecule would be something called cortisol. If you've heard of your adrenal glands, well, part of that same gland process uh, produces cortisol, which is a type of steroid. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Um, it is designed to help fight inflammation. It raises your blood pressure. It tells your body to liberate or create more sugar <clears throat> or carbohydrate for energy. But um, we can use these molecules and, and create steroids. And you may have heard of steroids such as um, prednisone or prednisolone or methylprednisone, um, other molecules like fluticasone and budesonide. These are all different types of steroid molecules. One quick easy way you might be able to see the names of these steroid molecules is these same steroid molecules that fight inflammation are found in several nasal sprays that you can find over the counter because steroids fight inflammation in just about every part of our body. And so if you look at the active ingredient on some of the nasal sprays that you can see over the counter, you will see things like mometazone and fluticasone and budesonide. Um, uh, so these are all types of steroids that can be inhaled and uh, or, you know, in, uh, squirted into your nose to help with allergic rhinitis and chronic runny stuffy nose, for example. Uh, these steroids are extremely helpful, but, uh, you know, if you drink too much water, it's bad for you. If you don't drink enough water, that's also bad for you. So these steroids do come with some potential side effects, but at the end of the day, if someone has COPD and chronic bronchitis that are bad enough to need the steroids, the risk-benefit ratio is favorable to request or uh, discuss with your provider the addition of an inhaled steroid in a management of your COPD. Um, the, the benefit from the steroid as far as 
avoiding exacerbations and fighting inflammation in your lungs outweighs some of the negative benefits in most circumstances and most of the time. There are guidelines that are worldwide and nationwide that tell us how to treat diseases like COPD. And the current guidelines in the management of COPD give some kind of specific caveats to the providers on whether or not to add an inhaled steroid onto COPD therapy. But if, if your COPD is out of control, then you may want to speak with your personal provider about the addition of a steroid molecule, particularly an inhaled one and not one that you take uh, through your mouth. Uh, the inhaled ones are a good addition in those situations. But if someone would have COPD and chronic bronchitis and it's under good control, they haven't needed antibiotics or uh, steroid pills recently and they feel like their breathing is kind of back to its baseline or kind of stabilized, there's a benefit to getting rid of the inhaled steroids because some of the inhaled steroids have been associated with increased risk of pneumonia. And so it's very interesting. The steroids can, can literally help keep you out of the hospital. They can help prevent exacerbations of COPD. They can improve your lung functions. When you, when you look at the studies on the benefits of steroids, it's impressive. That's why we use it. However, we really want to make sure if you don't need it, then you get rid of the steroid because that steroid does come with some systemic risk, such as hyperglycemia or elevated blood sugar, thinning of the bones, hypertension, easy bruising, uh, glaucoma, um, and also an increased risk for pneumonia. So use the steroids when you need them, uh, but always on every visit especially if you have COPD and you're on an inhaled steroid on every visit discuss with your provider the possibility of eliminating temporarily that steroid molecule remember you can always restart that steroid molecule if needed and so uh, that's uh, some food for thought on the management of your COPD uh, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, Jesus says, What goes in you does not defile you, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. Here at Breath of Pragmat, we want to encourage you to use that breath of life, but we certainly love even more encouraging people to use that breath of life to do the work of our Lord and our Creator on previous shows and multiple times about the argument that when we look at one single human in the existence of the of the world being able to fulfill all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and this particular calculation used 48 prophecies so the the book uh, the greatest selling book of all time and the only book that it really has never been disproven is the Bible. And I don't want to say it's the only book that's never been disproven, but it has never been disproven. And that Bible says that the prophet and the savior of the world who will be sacrificed to save man will fulfill these prophecies. And there are at least 48 of them. And uh, there was a mathematician named um, Peter Stoneman, I believe, Peter Stoneman, and he and his math students calculated the probability of one 
human being fulfilling all 48 of those prophecies, which history, which history, true, real history, not just the Bible, but history tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled was one in 13 trillion for Jesus to fulfill just those 48 prophecies. That makes it impossible that there's ever going to be another savior, but it also made it impossible for any one man to fulfill those prophecies. The fact that he did that in and of itself should encourage you to believe that there is a creator. I thought it was very interesting. I was listening to one atheist speak and he said, you know, uh, people who believe in creationism act like they're offended if they come from, if you tell them they come from a gorilla. But the fact is, the Bible says you came from dirt, which is not a false statement. The Bible tells us that God took the dirt of the earth or the clay of the earth and used that to form man. But what those atheists leave off is that God breathed into us the breath of life. God himself inhaled air and then blew it into our nostrils, giving the very first man the very first breath. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, chickens make the egg, so clearly the chickens came first. When it comes to evolution, you have to realize that people who believe in evolution have essentially lost that battle. And one main reason we say they lost that battle is because evolution doesn't give a beginning at all. It doesn't say how this all began. It doesn't give that that start. The Bible gives an explanation as to how things began and how things started. But I want to share some observations about what happens when we teach evolution. So, you know, um, Charles Darwin was considered to be the father of evolution. And he actually made a statement that reads as follows. To suppose that the eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. In other words, that's the father of evolution saying that just an eyeball forming through evolution seems absurd. So it's very interesting that people consider Darwin to be the father of evolution, and yet on multiple occasions he himself really was backtracking on the whole concept of evolution. And when you go to his second trip back to the Galapagos, he actually says that maybe he was wrong. And what they're seeing is adaptation, or some people call that microevolution. There are human beings that live on the top of mountains and their lungs are bigger than the human beings that live at sea level. They're not completely different animals. That is not evolution. That is a creation made by a creator that is able to adapt to its environment. That's what we see. We don't see evolution. The National Center for Health Statistics states that teen suicide, they measured it from 1960 all the way to 1990 in this particular study. And teen suicide between 15 and 24 year olds went up about 600,000 per year. The teen suicide rate went from about 400,000 up to about a million between 
1965 and 1990. And what happened in 1965? We began teaching evolution in school and started removing the Bible from our teachers. Violent crime is up 995% since we started teaching evolution um, somewhere around 1960 to 65. Uh, unmarried couples living together is up 725% since 1963 when we started making evolution the core part of the core teaching in public schools. Uh, the percentage of teen girls who have had premarital sex at every age, 15, 16, 17, and 18, has gone up exponentially between 1963 and 1990. There are studies that say 75% of all children raised in a Christian home who attend public schools reject the Christian faith by their first year of college. Something is happening to our people, to our to our students. There is there is a propaganda against creationism and against the truth. You have to ask yourself what that is. Well, please don't make me say this too much, but if you believe in God, then you must believe in devil. There are evil people that do evil things. Hitler himself was started out uh, a Christian, but when he started studying evolution, he writes about changing from uh, believing in God and the creator to now believing in evolution, and we all know what Hitler did. How about Stalin. Stalin was actually um, in seminary. Stalin was uh, at one point in time wrote about becoming a preacher. And when he went to college, he became a proponent of evolution. And he actually killed something like a hundred million of his own people, most of them Jews who are the chosen people of the Lord, according to the Bible. So you see there is a purpose for evolution, and it is clearly demonic. If you think killing between 60 million and 100 million of your own people is inspired by the devil or something evil, then you believe that teaching evolution and, and that thought process of evolution itself is evil. If you want to know, well, let me give you one more. There's a man named Moses Mordecai Marx Levi also known as Karl Marx. At the age of 17, he actually wrote a paper telling of his of his love for the Lord. Then he went off to college, studied philosophy, and studied evolution, and turned his back on God. Now realize these people are reading Charles Darwin's book, and Charles Darwin admitted that evolution was essentially impossible. I mean, when, just remember the quote from Charles Darwin about the eyeball, eyeball that we mentioned earlier. So evolution is a fake science. It is actually a religion. People who believe in evolution have to believe that something like a magic rock showed up out of nowhere, exploded, and somehow create a planet capable of having water. And this planet capable of having water somehow got some type of energy source and the right minerals in the right place at the right time to create life. By the way, a phenomenon that we've never been able to recreate, that we have never seen. And people who believe in evolution, they don't just get off the hook so easily because the people who believe in evolution also have to explain the evolution of heaven, the evolution of the earth. It is, it is, is impossibility. This isn't just the absurdity of them literally saying that the, the, the 
all humans come from a maggot and this maggot or bacteria turned into a maggot which turned into a worm which turned into a seed snake which turned into a fish which turned into some type of frog type thing which turned into a cat then a monkey and then into us and all of those things are an impossibility if you choose to believe by the way one thing that evolution has never ever mentioned and they always leave out they never explain that their theory that their that their faith that it is a religion to believe in evolution and not a science but they they always leave out their their science doesn't explain how everything started they don't know what it boils down to if you are a christian or if you believe in a creator then you believe god is a being outside of time and space and matter who created time space and matter if you believe in evolution you do not have a beginning what they try to explain is how a shark somehow turned into a lion or a, a, a crab somehow turned into a, a condom it doesn't make sense at all and they have no explanation no scientific evidence of this happening at all we see adaptation that's adaptation that's not a different creature or a different being so you have adaptation but we have never seen two monkeys mate and then give birth to a giraffe that's how absurd evolution is i assure you there is a creator god gave you the breath of life to be the standing army and i want to leave you with this psalm 150 verse 6 says let everything that has breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 2, it says, He, meaning the Lord, created them, male and female, and blessed them. So you, on your worst day, are blessed by the Lord who created everything. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created men in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In verse 31, he makes it plain and simple. Then the Lord saw everything he made and said, indeed, it was very good. On your worst day, you are beautiful. You're beautiful right now. As you're listening to this, as you're looking in the mirror, tell the truth that you are created beautifully. We'll see you next week. Breath of Pragmatic.